You're listening to the Surf Simply podcast, bringing you news and opinion about surf culture, characters, coaching and competition from the team at the Surf Simply Coaching Resort. Find us on facebook.com slash surfing or at surfsimply.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 10 of the Surf Simply podcast. We're recording on Sunday, March 29th, 2015. My name is Harry Knight, and with me today is Rue Hilt. Hello, everyone. And Asher King. Thanks for having me back, guys. Episode 10, boys. We're into double figures. That's a thought. It's <laughs> a lot of episodes. That is a lot of episodes. Some of the other podcasts that I listen to and they celebrate episode number 500. Do you think no. we'll ever get to like episode 500? Who can say? Who can say? Who it's can a scary say. thought. Um, before we go any further with today's episode, I would like to just say a very quick thank you to Jack Cote from Isotope Inc., uh, who very kindly sent us some software to hopefully level out all the problems that uh, we've had with, with our sound in the past. Uh, so have you, you've downloaded it? And yeah, so I'm going to say thank you to Jack, and I'm also going to apologise to Jack, because I downloaded it yesterday, and I, it's a fairly big bit of software that he sent us, and I haven't had full time to play with it, and we're already a little behind schedule with this podcast, so I'm going to have to pump this one out as we- is, and then we'll uh, hopefully by next episode I'll have uh, got it all sorted. We did actually get quite a few emails. I had a few emails, some really, really nice feedback emails. And again, we're a little behind schedule. It's been a busy week uh, at Surf Simply as well. And uh, I haven't managed to read and, and respond to all the emails that we've got since the last episode. So if you sent us an email uh, and we don't mention it on this episode, we'll probably mention it on the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a few little bits of uh, housekeeping before we move on. First thing is in episode seven, uh, we spoke about volume to weight ratios, and we had a lot of you guys emailing in, asking us uh, for more information on that. And to save me writing lots of emails, um, I've written a blog with a little bit more detail in, which is now up in the Surf Simply magazine. So yeah, if you go to surfsimply.com slash magazine, uh, I think it's the most recent post in there. And uh, yeah, hopefully that, that'll answer all your questions. Really um, interesting blog post. Here. It was. It was one of. The, I think it's one of the best blog posts that we've ever put up there. And oh, well, thank yeah. you. I thought it was really, really well <laughs> answered written. Answered a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So the, the other bit of housekeeping is a lot of you guys have been asking us about uh, producing some show notes to give you guys links to what we're talking about. We are in the process of trying to edit the website to where we will be able to have a, a separate blog feed for the podcast, which will have all the show notes on it. At the moment, the infrastructure isn't there on the website, but it is coming. Uh, so we're going to try and be a little bit better. Um, you may have noticed already, we're, we're trying to give you the URLs that you can follow as we go through. Yeah, well, the, my plan is to put on the website uh, just to surfsimply.com slash podcast, and then we'll have each episode. You'll be able to click on it, listen to the episode, and have all the show notes and any videos we talk about all kind of embedded underneath that. But as time. I say, this this podcast we really just do for fun, and uh, we like we all work full time jobs, so we don't. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah, and uh, so we don't always have time to get on top of everything as quite as well as we should. So, what have you gentlemen been up to this week? You've been quite busy with your family in town, haven't you, Ruth? It has. It's been really fun. I had uh, my six year old and nine year old niece staying, and uh, I've been. Uh, taking them out surfing and it was kind of cool because it was the first time that the nine-year-old has actually been out on a board on her own and we had at the start of the week some well overhead days out at Guiana's. Yeah, it's pretty big out there. Yeah and so I borrowed uh, Jesse's 510 board which is about 24 litres and my niece is about 45 pounds so it was kind of like her riding a longboard basically. Yeah. And she was really keen to go at the back. She just has no fear. So I hadn't done this before, but I put my fins on and I would swim out next to her. And then when a wave came, I would sort of 
grab the board with one hand either side of her chest and my hands were on the rails as if I was duck diving the board and then I would sink the board as deep as I could sort of put my elbow on on the on the board as well just to lift the nose up and then as the wave went over us this was the fun bit I would just release the board and because she was already pointing upwards she would just rock it up towards the surface <laughs> shoot out and land on the top which she just thought was the funnest thing ever so we were going out and some of the waves coming in had like I would say like eight foot plus faces on them. Yeah, I would yeah, say. It was solid. Yeah, it was solid. And uh, yeah, and she was just like, "Oh, can we duck dive this one? Duck dive this one." Like she was always enjoying the duck diving more than the uh, <laughs> more than surfing them. And uh, yeah, anyway, I pushed her into a few waves. She was she wasn't quite comfortable standing up, so she would ride these like eight foot faces all the way across and then all the way into the beach, just on her belly bouncing up and down. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. So I was in the middle of a lesson last week in the afternoon, and you were out there with your niece, and I just look up from what's going on. And I see you guys taking off on just a bomb. The wave was head and a half over your head. And after it closed out, you almost did a hook shot, throwing your niece over the white water <laughs> of the wave. It was incredible. Yeah, so, so she really likes, she likes being thrown off the back of the wave. And uh, so we, we did a couple where I'd be on the 9-2 and she would be lying on the front. But yeah, when we get on a wave and we're going down the line, she, uh, she'll, she'll just go, throw me, throw me. And she likes to be thrown <laughs> over the lip of the wave and off the back. It was funny though because we saw we were watching uh, some surfers together and there was some like big barrels at cloud break going down and she really loves getting barreled now you know we, we pulled mm-hmm. into one little closeout and fell off but now and every time there's a wave going she'll be like is this going to barrel is this going to barrel I'm like not no I don't think so and she's like oh like really frustrated yeah exactly like really frustrated it's so funny your niece is definitely going to be a contender for the XXL awards in a few years yeah I think so yeah yeah I'm thinking if the whole surf simply thing doesn't work out you might have a career and. Tandem surfing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if I can still do it when she weighs more than 45 <laughs> pounds. I'm not sure that my back can take it. And we got some bigger waves later in the week too. I think it's the biggest that I've ever surfed, Guiones. It's the biggest I've seen Guiones. Uh, for those of you listeners that haven't been down here, Guiones is, is a fairly standard beach break. We don't have any fixed sandbars or rips or anything. It's all just sort of moving water. And generally when it gets, what would you say, head and a half? Above, above, above head and a half, what generally happens is that there's so much water moving around that actually it's it's quite hard to surf out there. It's it, you know being in the right place at the right time to get a good wave is is quite difficult. And the other day was uh, 12, 15 foot faces on some of those waves. It was pretty big and holding and just running. Th- you know that the right handers that were coming through were just, just coming through rates. pretty machine like. Yeah, actually, if you go onto Instagram, listeners, and just uh, look at Surf Simile's Instagram feed, or if you go onto Facebook and look at Surf Simile's Facebook page, you can see some photos of uh, the waves that Asher and I got. I don't don't know if Harry snagged a photo. There's a good one of you duck diving on just when I'm taking off on it. So we're kind of <laughs> right next I, to each other. I got other. a couple of shots, but I definitely the the waves that I've got photos of weren't the biggest ones that I paddled into. So they're not quite as impressive as yours. And I, I felt a little undergunned. Well, so I was out yesterday. I was out on a, on a bigger board than I usually use. And, and I actually, I posted the photo on Twitter and I mentioned it on Twitter and a couple of people were asking me about what size board I was using as the step up. So my usual board is around the sort of, well, it's usually around 27 liters, but recently I've been surfing a 30 liter Hypto Crypto, as I mentioned on the show before. Uh, the board that I was using on that big day uh, which again you can see photos of on on Facebook and Instagram was my 66k step up and it, the 66 step up it was uh, released by Channel Island before they started putting the volume something mm-hmm. so I'm not 100% sure what the volume is I've just emailed them to ask them but just from sitting on it I'm guessing it's around the sort of 34 35 
litre kind of mark. But it's also got a very pinned tail, which means that it grips the water really, really solidly. So you can lean into a bottom turn, even on a really big wave, even with a bit of bump on it. And there's no way that board's going to slip out. Yeah. So it, you, you, can, you can paddle into them with so much confidence. The big thing about Guiones as well that you mentioned, uh, and this is true for a lot of beach breaks when it gets big, is that the, the playing field becomes so big. Yeah. You know, the, the distance that you yeah. need to paddle in order to get to the right place to catch a wave sometimes is like 20, 30 yards from when you see the wave on the horizon to in order to be in the right place to catch well, like, it. And I think a lot of the errors that people make when they're surfing is that they have a board too small on those bigger days. And I've certainly done that here before. So a big part of having the higher volume board for me wasn't just catching the waves and riding them, but it was getting to the right place. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had my uh, GPS watch ticking over when we were out there. We covered nearly three quarters of a kilometer before we got to the lineup. That's amazing. We did 700 meters that, that, from, from starting on the beach. <laughs> that is such a long paddle to out. To paddle out deal with the current and then get back to where we were actually trying to get to mm-hmm. uh, the track on the on the google map shot is is hilarious we it's just sort of set off at 45 degrees in this big hook <laughs> yeah. come around to get get back to the lineup what board were you riding when you're out there asha uh, i was riding an old board of yours um a 6.0 semi pro which has a real pull in tail it's still kind of more of a thumb tail but my normal board's a 5.9 around 25 liters and this was uh about around the 27 mark and it worked really well on the wave face. It felt really good. But as you're saying, with such a big playing field out there, it didn't have quite the paddling power. I would have liked to hunt down some of the bigger waves. And you were surfing it as a quad. I was, I was surfing as a quad. Uh, not only because I only had a quad set up for it, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was so big out there that we weren't really doing too much turns. So I was just trying to go as fast as I could. Yeah, it was pretty much take off and go in a straight line. Yeah, and the four fins were really gripping the wave face. I've actually had some of the funnest surfs at uh, Guiones when it's been huge, you know, like uh, more than double, triple overhead kind of size, when I've actually been out on like a 7-2 NSP, just because, yeah. again, you're not really doing any top turns when it's that size, and just having the volume to paddle around and get into yeah, waves Yeah, to get in the waves that you want to. Yeah, it's super fun. And get out of the way of the ones that you don't <laughs> get want. Get out of the way of some of them as well. <laughs> So speaking of dropping in and straight lining the wave, what do you guys think of some of the uh, XXL Award nominations that have just come in? Uh, Yeah, in the news this week, we've got the XXL Award, uh, Big Wave Awards, happening on the May 1st. And is there going to be a uh, webcast, like a a live web stream that you can watch them? I think that there is, yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure there is. And it's, um, it's for any waves that have been ridden between... March 20th, 2014, and March 20th this year. So we'll, we'll, should we post on uh, facebook.com slash surfing a link to that webcast if they're when putting one on. up? Yeah. yeah, so listeners, just for, for those of you that don't know, we, we have the Surf Simply Facebook page, which is all the stuff that's going on here at the Surf Simply Resort in Osara, Costa Rica. And then we also have the uh, surfing page, which is just general interest surf stuff. And we, we try and post movies and stuff like that on there um, that are just more of kind of interest to the wider surfing community. So we'll, we'll post it on there, shall we, H-Bomb? Yeah, let's see if, we can, if I can find a feed, I'll, um, I'll crank it up there. Who do you, uh, you think's a forerunner for the XX this year? Well, they've got a couple of different categories, haven't they? It used to be the Billabong XXL Awards. It was all about who got the biggest wave. And then uh, a couple of years ago, they stopped doing the biggest wave, I think, because the biggest waves were smaller than the previous the year years. before. Biggest waves. And they switched over to who got the, the ride of the year, which actually I think I prefer because you're getting guys, you know, rather than going for that 
70, 80 foot. Toe straight, in and ride straight. Yeah, they're going for the, you know, the guys that are pulling in at, at 30, 40 foot Porto Escondido, which oh. just looks way scarier. On a skim board. On a skim board. <laughs> so, listeners, if you go to the WSL website and you go to the news, you'll see that one of the news items, uh, the recent one, is uh, Best in Biggest Big Wave Award nomination, nominees announced. And then about halfway down that post, you can play who the nominees for Ride of the Year are. And, yeah, his name's Brad Domk. I can't say it. I can't say his name. It's a tough one. Domk. Sorry, Brad, if you're out there. I'm sorry. Is it Domkey? Domk? Regardless, that was a pretty impressive wave. It was incredible. So he towed in on a skimboard, and I don't think he even had foot straps. I'm not no. sure. It looked like he was just standing on a skimboard. And he gets to the bottom of this wave at Puerto Escondido, where the, and, the, and it's fully barreling top to bottom, and the wave's got to be like, I don't know, 30 foot on the face. Humongous. It's enormous. so big. He gets to the bottom. He's got no fins in his skimboard, and he like he sits right back, really puts the brakes on to stall this thing right up into the pit, and somehow keeps his rail in the water as he gets sucked up the face, so he doesn't just slide down and take the lip on the head. I don't know how he did he that. A Massive, like 30 yard stall across the bottom of a Porto Escondido beast. It's just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So I think that's a pretty good entry. And then one of the other ones is Shane Dorian paddling in at, at Jaws, which we've talked about on the show before. And that uh, I think one of the best waves ever ridden. He comes out and high fives Grant Twiggy Baker. It's pretty amazing. I thought um, Dean Morrison's wave at the right was yeah. just in a that whole really different... Impressive. That's a terrifying looking wave, isn't it? it? It's yeah. just so square, so so much water in the lip. Yeah, it kind of looks like a a big right version of Chopu, doesn't it? Yeah. But slightly mutated and less predictable. Yeah, it's definitely a little closer to um, Shipston's, isn't it? It's got Mm -hmm. lots of lumps and boils on it. Yeah. I think it's pretty incredible to look at waves like that. And I don't know, the guys that ride them, I was pretty nervous out there this week. And Kionis is a big, soft wave. Yeah. So when I'm out there and it's just maybe double overhead of Kionis and you look at these guys just charging Puerto Escondido... It's really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Looking at the pictures of you and I surfing Guiones from the last couple of days, it's really just such a soft, friendly wave. The yeah. roll-ins, were, the paddling into them. I mean, they were, they were steep takeoffs, but you were never going to get pitched by the lip. No. You know what it, I mean? And, it wasn't going to drive it, you underwater for Yeah, and if seconds. anything goes wrong, you're underwater for a few seconds, you pop up, you're halfway into the beach. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, at Guiones particularly, you can kind of get these photos of people surfing big waves. And actually, it's a, it's a really friendly place. And then, you know, you go places like Puerto Escondido, and, and it is not friendly. No, you surf at a quarter the size takes 10 yeah. times the determination and commitment to get into it. So last episode, we were talking about the Gabriel Medina and his little on-camera rant uh, and what the potential fallout would be. Yeah, so, so what happened with all of that? Two little bits of fallout. First thing was we were talking about uh, when he came up, he was talking about not understanding the priority rule. And I did a little bit of digging and I got some, some stuff back from the ASP and they directed me to where to look for the actual wording of the rule. They didn't actually send me the wording. They just sent me a link to the... 400 page rule book oh come on wsl yeah so i then scrolled through and eventually managed to find it uh so i'm assuming this is rule 152 sub clause 8 catchy Uh, indeed if the surfer with superior priority paddles outside the primary takeoff zone and sits on the inside position they will have their priority suspended until they re-enter the primary takeoff zone. So what they've really done is given okay. themselves the ability to define the primary takeoff zone however they want. Yes. Uh, so the priority judge will determine 
the surfer's new priority position in the heat. All attempts will be made to verbally announce to the priority surfer as they start to leave the primary takeoff zone. Okay, so that's... Verbal warning and the PA system. So, but in the Gabriel Medina incident, I'm assuming that that didn't happen. Just to to recap, uh, Gabriel Medina got an interference called on him when he paddled for a wave without in, without priority uh, and got in the way of Glenn Hall, who did have priority. And, and Gabriel Medina believed that with this new rule, he that meant that because he was well, he, not more on the peak, yeah, he, he might have he claimed exactly. he claimed to have not understood the rule. I mean, it well, sounds I, to me if if that's one of very few rules that they've changed over the years. Like it doesn't the wording of that is fairly clear. Like. Well, I think that that's a. I think it's a really good rule as long as it's nice and clear on the beach. As as long as the surfer like is paddling a little bit. Say they're at J Bay and one of them paddles a little bit down past super tubes, and mm-hmm. then they're looking at the beach and they see the disc spin round, and then they think, "Oh, okay, I've lost priority. If I sit here, I need to paddle up again." Yeah. Although I can foresee the situation happening where a surfer thinks, "You know what? I think there's better peaks over there, especially at Bells, which is coming up next week." And sometimes they're at yeah, Rincon, the rink sometimes the they're in the bowl. I could see. So, you know, how many times have we seen Slater? paddle over to Rincon because he thinks there's better waves there. Almost every year. Almost every year. But the only thing with that is that Rincon is outside of the bowl, not inside of the bowl. Uh, Well, I guess it could happen the other way around though. No, but the the, the rule says if they paddle outside the primary takeoff zone and sit in the inside position. Hmm. So the the, the purpose of that rule is to stop blocking. If they, wait, if they... If they sit outside of the primary takeoff zone, so out. Sorry, draw a box. That's the primary takeoff zone. If they leave the box, right, but go further down the line of the wave, they okay. lose it. If they go up the line of the wave, so behind so the rocket snapper or up to the top at uh, Rincon or way around the point at J Bay, then they still keep. They it. still keep priority because they're not trying to use their priority to block the other surfer. I see. And what I think it's to try to avoid a situation like Kira a couple of years ago. Yeah, the Kelly Parco was way up the point and Slater was on the inside and just burned him on that wave. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last episode, didn't we? There was then obviously that so that, that was one of the things that Gabriel said it wasn't the thing that he was being hauled up for. The thing that he was hauled up for was dropping the F bomb on a live broadcast. He has been fined for that, but he's not missing any contests. Which I think is a pretty good penalty. I, I, to be honest, I think that's fair. So the thing that I thought he was going to get in trouble for was saying, if Glenn Hall says, like, swears at me again, then I'm going to, and then Peter Mull will pull the mic away. And on the last episode, we, you know, we just talked about how mm-hmm. I thought he was sort of going to make a threat of physical violence. You know, if he does that again, I'm going to. But then you were saying all he was doing was making a little joke, saying I'm going to teach him some swear words in Portuguese. Because I'd say there's a big difference from a sporting uh, from a sporting organization yeah. point of view, between uh, you know dr- swearing, which is fine and no big deal really, and and actually like making a threat of physical violence, I would say is a completely different mm-hmm. ballpark. I agree. But but so it was established that he wasn't doing that, or I do you think they just turned a blind eye? I well, I I, th- I think the context is important. That the they haven't given a ruling on what they think he did wrong. They've just said that look, this is this is the outcome. We're fining him, but he will not. They haven't even said how much they're finding him. That's undisclosed. Mm-hmm. But I think... What they've done is at least consistent with the way that they've treated other people who've done similar things. Yeah. yeah. Um, also in the news this week, uh, Quicksilver have fired their CEO, Andy Mooney. 
who's been on board with them since about 2012, 2013. He's the guy that was behind the big multiple sacking. Well, actually, of staff members and of, of team members, the big cull of sort of sponsored riders. It's like they just ago. chucked everyone apart from Dane Reynolds and Kelly Slater back in 2012, wasn't it? And I think Kelly Slater eventually parted ways because of how he handled it as well. I think oh, that really? had something to do with it. Well, yeah, either that or certainly certainly he didn't renew his contract with mm-hmm. him. So anyway, he's out. Pierre, uh, I apologize, Pierre. We're going to do our standard <laughs> thing and mispronounce French. Um, Pierre, Pierre Agnes. Uh, who's been with Quicksilver for a long time, has taken over as the new CEO. And uh, yeah, hopefully been struggling a little bit the last few years, but hopefully they can turn that around. You're listening to the Surf Simply podcast. So earlier this year, uh, Kai Neville released his new movie. Earlier last week, I think it was last Wednesday. Was it that recent? Was He it? released the anxiously awaited cluster, cluster yeah. flick. So for those of you who don't know Kai Neville, Kai Neville was a protege of Taylor Steele, who was the videographer that brought Kelly Slater and Rob Machado and the rest of the uh, the new school surfers in. Pretty much the generation-defining filmmaker of the 90s. Absolutely. And uh, Kai Neville was brought on very much as a protege to Taylor Steele as he moved over to doing the, the slipping jet stream, sort of more arty projects. Uh, Kai Neville came in. He was the head filmer and editor for Stranger Than Fiction. Such a good movie. Um, and then his first solo release was in 2009, was Modern Collective, which I think is fairly fair to say was was pretty defining for yeah. for, for the recent generation. So Stranger Than Fiction was one of my favourite movies. When did that come out? It must be ten years ago, twelve years like ago. That. No, it was. Um, I was thinking it was probably about 2009. Oh, was it as recent as that? No, no maybe no, no. that was Modern o- Collective. Oh, seven or oh six. Yeah. yeah. It was it definitely was, it was the heyday. Of it was mine. when I still lived back in the UK because I remember watching it in my caravan in Cornwall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I loved about Strangers in Fiction that they don't, like, they haven't done with any of the movies since, is that they had the option of watching the movie first of all in 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 its full length, and then you could watch it without all of the non-surfing bits. So you yep. just had the surf without all of the, which is pretty good. Which is yeah, it's really good. You don't want to see surfers trying to do comedy skits uh, more than once. In fact, you. Probably don't want to see it once, to well, be and honest. That was, T- Taylor Steele did quite a few of those, didn't he? Where you could you could change the soundtrack on them and you could turn yeah. everybody yeah, like the campaign turn everybody regular. Campaign 2 was the first one where he where he had the alternative soundtrack. So I remember because the Bruce Irons section, you could have Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses as well as the alternative so soundtracks, good. which was the best psych-up section in a surf movie I've ever seen. But what I loved was how you could switch the whole movie so that everyone was goofy footer or you could switch it so that everyone yeah. was a natural footer. That is pretty cool. Which is brilliant. Just watching all of these guys that you love, like watching Shane Doran and Kelly Slater and Mick Fanning surf as goofy footers. Yeah. Presumably that's one of those hard things now that everybody basically consumes all of this by download. Yeah. You know, it was really easy when you, when you got a package DVD, you could load it up with a title menu menu and loads of stuff like that. Now it's just iTunes download. But they could, they could just have different options. You could just be like, I want goofies, regulars, full movie surfing only of four options. You could even have a couple of soundtrack options. I'm sure that actually with, uh, with audio file with uh, video files, you can have different audio options built into the file. Yeah, I think the very out there music is a bit of a cornerstone of Kai Neville's filming, though. Ever since uh, I don't know, Stranger Than Fiction, he's been going pretty, pretty out there, which well, I like. Modern, modern Collective. I don't know whether it was out there, but it was certainly it was one of the first movies to have like an almost all electronic. Pretty much sound. made was- the hipster surfer. Yeah. Uh, well, and then and then definitely into Lost Atlas. It was oh, very, yeah. very like discordant music, wasn't it? And and Cluster definitely well, follows through with that. There's one or two songs that I'll definitely 
hold my hand up to and say I like that as a piece of music, but the majority of that movie, I did not enjoy the soundtrack. <laughs> so one of the things that I loved about Modern Collective, which I think is one of the all-time great surf movies, mm-hmm. was apart from the fact that it was a, uh, it, it was it was beautifully filmed and it had this cool electro soundtrack that I really liked, yeah, uh, which hadn't really been done before in a sort of mainstream high-performance surf movie like that. And I really liked that they were surfing a lot of onshore wedging waves, like a lot of messy waves surfing them really well, rather than just the classic peeling point breaks and perfect chopu and pipe kind of waves Mm -hmm. what did you think of cluster oh i really really liked cluster as a disclaimer i think i've liked it more every time i've watched it how many times would you say you've watched cluster in the last week i've probably watched it 40 times (laughs) i've watched it before every surf session this week and it's been a bit of a bummer because the wave's been really big and the movie has just inspired me to try a bunch of airs and these haven't really been airwaves and which which, which bit of the movie is your side cut bit? Uh, Creed McTaggart section, unbelievable. He's got that really good David Bowie song playing along, which I think fit it so well. And then Noah Dean, it was almost a skate section. Yeah. Yeah, he was just really going for it. Was that uh, Life on Mars by David Bowie? That's oh, the one, isn't it? Such a good song. See, the, the thing for me with Cluster is that it, it didn't inspire me to go surfing at all. There's a couple of little bits, um, Connor Coffin... Uh, his section, some of the J-Bay stuff where they're actually linking maneuvers. But so much of it, it, it's gone so far down that line of subpar onshore waves and just boost air, boost air, boost air. Like, it it just doesn't appeal to me at all. It's it's not inspiring me to go out there and go surfing. I want to watch the guys linking turns, linking surfing. I, I agree with you. I watched the first bit. Mitch Colburn's uh, opening sequence and then Brandon Gibbons comes on next. And, and Mitch Colburn's a good all-round surfer. And like the waves are good and he gets some good brows and good turns. There's nothing... A lot of macaronis. Nothing, there's a lot of macaronis in the whole movie. That, there's nothing uh, in Mitch Colburn's section that makes you your, like jaw hit the floor. It's just good, yeah. solid surfing. Brandon Gibbons, that was part two, there's like a bunch of airs. And, and that was the bit that I was a bit like, okay, is this going to be just pump, pump, boost, pump, pump, boost, lots of slob grabs. And then watching Conin, uh, Connor Coffin come oh, in, just laying he is a really yeah. good surfer. I mean, he is a, just a fantastic surfing, so much power. And uh, then there's a cheeky Taj section in there as well. Did you notice that? Yeah, Some yeah of the his... Taj section, I think that was recycled footage. I think it was. It looked quite like out of place with the rest of the film. It looked like the exact same footage that Kai Neville used in one of his video shorts about six to eight months ago, one of the uh, straightforward sections, which was Taj and West Oz. And if it wasn't the same footage, then he was riding the same spray job at the same waves, which I never want to. I never want to see recycled footage in a, <laughs> in a surf movie. To be new. That's right. You're the you're the internet generation. You just don't need to see anything twice. Exactly. There's Except no shortage cluster, of media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. cluster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really like the J Bay section too. Um, Creed McTaggart was riding what looked to be a little bit longer. Hayden Shapes, yeah, and it was really classic lines that he was drawing, which I was pretty impressed of with because in contrast to his section where he's doing a bunch of airs, mm-hmm. it shows that he has a little more versatility in his surfing. I think that the thing that really bugged me about Cluster and just made it really hard for me to watch, though, was, was how far it's gone down that route of trying to be as low-fi as it can be. There's, there's so much like good waves where they've filmed it and then filmed a tv and not even an hd tv just filmed like an old like 30 bar tv with the video playing and then that's what they've stuck in the movie and it's like, oh, well come on, actually you know i don't full hd footage and that just looks so 
I don't really mind that. I quite like the I, I quite like the way that they were changing up the lighting, changing the angles, changing the way it was filmed. Sometimes it was from the water, from the land. Oh, I, I like that. I like that all being changed around. And I don't mind a little bit of artiness in my surf movies. That's that's good too. But I do think in a surf movie you've really got these like you've really got these four elements. Yeah. Well, three and a half elements. One of them is is how good the surfing is. Right, and I include in that how good the waves are. Either the surfing has got to have you know an X factor to it, or the waves have, but there's got to be something that's not just good surfers surfing in you know head high yeah. to overhead good waves because I mean that's always Repetitive. nice to see, but you know there's tons of that online. I'm not going to go out and buy a movie just just for that. You know, yeah. the next thing is the the actual editing of the movie. You know, is there some kind of narrative in there? How's the? It doesn't have to be a, a a narrative in terms of a story but there's got to be some kind of theme some kind of reason why the footage is as it is even as just yeah. a, a bricolage of of images you know that just some kind of got to make sense in some kind of way yeah whereas i mm -hmm. felt that the imagery that they were flashing up it was just completely time, it, random completely and random had no relation it wasn't to where they were surfing or who was but, surfing yeah it but wasn't the, particularly beautiful images either no, it was crappy i think that's i think that was the point the movie's called cluster flick and i think it was supposed to be kind of a mockery of how it's all thrown together and how it's making fun of the digital age and how everything's super instant you gotta remember it's a section-based surf movie yeah. Which is in contrast to everything that Kyneville has previously released. It's well, all been yeah, location. other than Stranger yeah. Than Fiction. Yeah, that was one of the things that I was going to say. Is it, so is I think it was, a, but I, I don't, I don't feel like because what they had was you, you'd have a section and then you'd have that weird like montage where they had almost like a a fake Instagram panel in the middle of the black screen. Mm -hmm. uh -huh playing a weird movie i and, i, I and liked the idea to, yeah, yeah. I, I actually quite liked that i just thought they used it too much i mean i thought it was a nice technique just to like make when they went back to the surfing and it's suddenly full screen again yeah, yeah. i thought that was a good contrast but i just thought they just overdid it and after like when two or three minutes of just irrelevant little tiny images you're like were, come on come on they were just too long on and they weren't it wasn't something that linking it wasn't a segue it was a just well, like, I get yeah, you know what Asha yeah. said about how it's it's meant to be a, a completely random selection yeah. of images, kind of makes sense when you say that. Yeah. Now, now thinking about it, that does make sense. So just not that good though. When <laughs> I, uh, yeah, conceptually, when I, I get it, but just not that good. What I liked about the old Taylor Steele section or the old Taylor Steele movies was right before I surfed, I could just pop on Rob Machado's section, and it'd just be you know kind of a kind of a cluster of Rob Machado surfing, and now. But I can you know do the same on this. Yeah, just, but you know what happens? I would never watch it start to finish again. Yeah, that's possibly true. But you know when, you know, if you turn on Stranger Than Fiction and you go to someone's section, mm -hmm. it's still each section is its own little, there's a storyline to it. There's a flow to that section. And I don't know, I didn't feel that flow and that, that storytelling coming out in, in any of the sections in class. Well, I'm not sure. I think that there was a bit of a story to the movie. Well, anyway, let me say this first. So I think the other really good element to any surf movie, really important element, is the soundtrack, you know? And, mm -hmm. like, you can't help but be affected by that. If you really oh, love yeah. the piece of music and the surfing is cut well with the piece of music and it gives you goosebumps on the back of your neck and you're just reaching for your board and waxing it up. I Life mean, on Mars. So important. And I think in this film, like, a lot of the soundtrack was electro-punk, which I'm not personally particularly into. It just doesn't get me going. 
it's one of those genres of music that I'd like to be into it. But like I listen to it a lot, and I'm like, oh God, I want to be someone that likes this, and but I just I don't got it yet. I just don't like it. I really liked the Creed McTaggart section where they were playing "Life on Mars" by Bowie. Uh, they oh, in the Craig Anderson section, they had the hymn by New Order, which oh, I really liked. Oh, such a good song. And then the last section was "Violet" by Hole, which was a, uh, a song that I just loved from well, like when I was a kid. That the album Courtney came Love, out. just in your face, punk rock. Yeah, and I, and I really, really liked that. I thought that was awesome. But, you know, the other elements of the movie, going back to what I was saying before, is there, there is a bit of a story and it's about these characters that, you know, we're seeing these little snippets of. And this is what was the, the, the biggest letdown of the film for me. Like, I don't like these guys. No. They just look like idiots. They kind like, of they they make look like me, punks. They make me not, they, they not want to surf because I don't want to be associated with people like that. I mean, they look what like we see them... They're trying so hard they look like the, yeah. They look like thirteen-year-old kids who have have just been to university and seen their big brother hanging out at university, and now they've gone back to hang out with their other twelve, thirteen-year-old kids, <laughs> just and they're trying to like they're trying to be really cool and act like frat yeah. boys. And every single bit, they had like doing beer bongs or you know smoking you know, cigarettes through beer cans. Do you know the or, one that I liked as a real uh, contrast? Do you remember a couple of years ago? I think it was Julian Wilson's uh, movie, Scratching the Surface, and they went on an Indo boat trip. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bit in Cluster and they play it over and over and over and they've set off one of the orange safety yeah, the, smoke flares the, the and they're all standing can. there looking like this is the coolest damn thing. Look at us holding this smoke bomb. Yeah. They had a section and it, it was really, it was just like a, a cutaway thing, like no, nothing planned in any way, shape or form. It was Taj, very drunk, launching flares at another boat. That was a very good <laughs> section. <laughs> like, like, see that that's yeah. properly rock and roll. Like launching parachute flares at, a, at your mate's boat. That's cool. <laughs> Standing on a boat in the middle of the ocean with a smoke bomb. That's not cool. Don't like <laughs> at, at worst, like show it fine. But they but, showed that that clip was in there three or four times. So these guys going, yeah, and, and then there was lots of clips of them setting fire to their own hair with cigarette lighters. But again, not just a quick three-second clip. That was like, this is what these guys like. This is the defining this characteristic. Is what these guys do. Every, how many shots were there of Noah Dean smoking, looking like looking like a twelve-year-old that's just been given his first cigarette and is not quite sure how to smoke it? Oh, there were a few. Probably like there must have yeah. been thirty or forty shots through the through yeah. that film like that. I don't know whether it's cool or not set aside i think what they're probably trying to do is to be in such contrast to the whole wsl image at the moment that's just so clean cut right now and trying yeah. to make it a you know a cbs sports show I think and they're trying shame, to though, just be the opposite after 30 years we've only just dragged ourselves out into that clean cut thing do, do we have to have some of the biggest names in so and they are well you know, those guys are some of the biggest names desperately trying to do it. barriers and, and it's actually, it's not so much that, like, I like some of the characters and some of the stories that have gone on in the history of surfing. I mean, some of them are quite dark, but, I th- yeah. you know, characters like Michael Michael Peterson and Mickey Dora and Nicky Wood, um, and, you know, and even Oki and Tom Carroll have, have you know, have, on that, on have, gone, have, have had pretty dark periods in their life where they've been pretty rock and roll. But this, these guys in this movie, like, they're not punk. They're not rock no. and roll. They're like children who've seen punk on TV and are trying to copy what they think punk is. And without it, it without comes, upsetting their parents. But without upsetting their parents. It's like so, <laughs> so disingenuous. Um, yeah, like Noah Dean writing uh, the cops on the front of his board. Like he's ever had any serious problems with, with the, the cops, cops. <laughs> repressing him as a privileged, like good-looking white boy, you know? But Noah Dean did do a 10-foot bomb drop off a big cliff with booties on 
onto a full Astro decked surfboard. Yeah, okay. and that's pretty punk rock. Yeah, the, uh, the surfing, the surfing by Noah Dean is, is phenomenal. It's uh, like, really, really good. I it mean, it is punk. Well, also something interesting is Dane Reynolds is uh, having a child in the next couple of months, so it might be his last section for a while. Well, it was kind of funny seeing him as the older father figure, kind of in the movie, yeah, rather the, than as the, the young three Gromit. back from the end kind of. I, I don't know that he's ever. It'll. It won't be his last section because he still surfs okay. Yeah, but it's tough to be putting out you know, cutting edge sections in your 30s. I can't see Dane Reynolds becoming a commentator for the WSL. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I tell you what was cool. I was, was working with um, Arnie, who, who was staying at Surf Simply a couple of weeks ago, a level four surfer. So he was doing a lot of off the, off the lip surfing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were looking a lot at how surfers lift their um, the leading arm when they're turning off the top we're looking at how Fanning and Slater do it a lot and how it translates later on into laybacks and those under the lip nine o'clock wrap yeah. uh, cutbacks and and it was funny watching that and because we've been talking about it a lot I've just been noticing it in surf movies so I can pull clips out to use for coaching but there's a couple of examples of Dane Reynolds doing that just in just an insane way yeah. where Man he's hat. throwing the whole right half of his body up above his head and then the, the board is coming around, not just releasing the fins, but coming around with power at the sort of angle where you would expect only to be possible if the surfer was re- letting the fins come out of the water, except he's not. He's keeping the rail in the water. Yeah. I mean, his mobility is incredible because you, you see him and he doesn't look like he would have great mobility or, no. or greatest respect to you, Dane. <laughs> but yeah, he, he looks like he sort of could be standing next to a barbecue prodding the sausages. <laughs> and Which I think he might. <laughs> yeah, with a beer in one not, hand. I think that's not out of place. And then you see him coming off the lip and he's just got the, the, the mobility of like a 12-year-old Russian gymnast. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. The thing I was upset about with the Dane Reynolds, they took Dane Reynolds, who is arguably one of the... Greatest he, of our generation. Well, I was going to say one of the really great guys on a right-hand point break. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's grown up surfing Rincon and, and places like that. And you, you see the, you know, the, the footage that comes out of him surfing Rincon every now and then. And it's it's awesome. They took him to Morocco, the land of the right hand point break. And they came back with a whole load of clips of one maneuver waves. Yeah. yeah. Like, how devastating is that? Like, here's a guy that should have been like linking up a 200 meter long wave with just perfect turn after perfect turn. There's and, probably... And, clips of like three or four turns waves in the Morocco there's, there's one or two but the majority of his section is one maneuver mm-hmm. waves it's, it's a shame they like, didn't get him uh, to J-Bay when they shot that section he was injured during the whole his, uh, uh, cluster filming he had a ter- tour MCL so he just was filming at the very beginning of the period and at the very end and that's where that Morocco footage came from oh I see I see the end. that would be good uh, yeah I'd love to see some I'd love to see a movie that's uh, Connor Coffin Dane Reynolds and Taylor Knox and maybe Tom Curran just oh. unleashed on Big J Bay, and it was just that. I chucked Geordie in, but yeah. Yeah, Geordie as well. That would be so Parko, good. Parko, Fanning. We're, Creed we're, McTaggart. We're drifting Michelle into a beautiful, <laughs> we're drifting into a beautiful segue onto to talk about Bell. So we are. Should we talk about that next? Perfect. Yeah. You're listening to the Surf Simply podcast. So, as we promised last episode, we thought we would uh, do a little rundown. As we go into the Bells contest starts later this week and the forecast is looking good. It looks like we should have some some sort of head high waves coming for the opening day. The swell does then drop off a little bit, but there's there's some hope that for Easter weekend there might be some uh, some waves. As we promised last episode, we're going to go through the uh, fantasy team. We've got to build our, our Surf Simply team roster for the, uh, for the event. But uh, just to throw literally a wild card in there. Have you seen who Rip Curl have given the uh, wildcard slot to? 
Mason Ho. Mason Ho. Mason Ho. Then you are signing. Did you guys see his first go with the GoPro camera that he released on Vimeo? Amazing. This week? Yeah, I stuck it on the uh, surfing page on Facebook. Just dancing around rocks. Yeah, he was surfing rock piles, I think, which is on the North Shore, just. Um, as you're sort of at pipeline and then you turn left and you walk down the mm-hmm. beach about 50 yards past back the door and off the wall and it's it's just there and it literally as you can see in the video there's a little pile of rocks there there is a pile of rocks surf right into and even watching the video you're like oh, don't hit the rocks don't hit the rocks uh. you know well the thing that got me there is you know how you know with the gopro it really distorts the perspective quite a lot it makes everything look further away yeah those rocks look pretty close in the video very close <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, into bells. Like I said, it looks like we've got some waves, but it doesn't look like it's going to be pumping double overhead bells. Oh, which is too shame. bad. Yeah, which is because that's what you really want at bells. Small bells isn't the most exciting event. It's it's not a super exciting event. But anyway, I we, am all for a move to Winky Pop. Yeah, Winky Pop's a really good wave. Really good wave. Winky Pop could make it fun. So now we've got. It's also the most fun wave to say. Yeah, Winky Pop. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, most, the most fun sentence that a, a WSL commentator can say is wiggly dantus at Winky Pop. <laughs> it's amazing. The interesting thing is that with all the high seeds being knocked out early in Snapper, what we now have is using the fantasy surfer system on the WSL, which we've been doing, we've got some really weird, because it's separated into tier A, tier B and tier C, the athletes are actually quite divided up. So we've got some interesting choices so they, to make. they reseed... The reseed after at the each end event. of each event. Yeah, so for tier A, we've got to choose two of these guys. We've got Philippe Toledo, Julian Wilson, Adriano D'Souza, Miguel Pupu, uh, Taj Burrow, Wiggly Dentes, Mick Fanning, and B. Durbich. That is such a hot, tough decision. we got to pick two of those for small bells, good chance of a move to Winky Pop for some of it. Well, I'd like to put Mick in there. Yeah, yeah I think because Mick's a pretty safe bet. You know, Mick, the, Mick the machine Fanning. All right, so uh, we've got is just he's good. We've got Mick in for my my personal if team. I put Julian in, but uh, I for small bells. I just Philippe Toledo looked so good at Snapper Rocks, and yeah. if it's at Winky Pop, it has that kind of coping on the lip where you can really pop off of it. Yeah. So for for listeners who may not know, Bell's Beach in Australia is the oldest event on tour. It's a big a right hand point break which works well when the surf is big you know when it's double overhead that's it's when amazing we, that's when we see really good bells and it's it's usually a sort of softer rolling kind of takeoff and then it hits the inside section it's a long right hand wave and it hits the inside section which is the famous part called the bells bowl where the wave uh, gets really hollow and that's the mm-hmm. that's the part where the barrels happen so you know f- what you classically want for bells is is like f- uh, 10 10 foot plus faces, offshore winds, and yeah. then you want to be surfing on the outside a couple of turns, coming through the bowl, hopefully get a barrel. That would be your sort of eight, and nine, kick ten out point before wave. that shore break. And then yeah. kick out before it breaks right on the cobbles, which is sort of the outside part. But when there's not really enough waves for Bells Beach to work at all, they often go around the corner to a wave called Winky Pop, which is a much steeper, more performance wave. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people think it's actually a better wave than Bells. Especially when Bells is quite small. When Bells is in the waist, it's a head high region. So fun. It's Bells is not a very good wave, not a very high performance wave, whereas Winky Pop can be. So yeah, it'll be interesting if they go round to Winky Pop, it'll certainly favour some of the younger, uh, more high performance guys, whereas Bells tends to favour the more experienced, powerful mm-hmm. guys that know how to predict a wave and how to select manoeuvres. Whereas the, the Winky Pop will more reward the guys that know how to sort of perform maneuvers but may not have quite the same kind of experience in terms of choosing maneuvers as the as the exactly. as they down the line 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, who are we, uh, we going to chuck in our second A tier slot? Well, I always want to put Taj Burrow in because I just like Taj Burrow. He's the sort of guy I'd like to have a beer with. 11% uh, of people but, agree with you. Yeah, but that's because he's such a likable guy. Um, I think Philippe I don't do really well. think he's necessarily going to do well. Philippe or Julian? Julian looks so good at Snapper Rocks. Yeah, that's two. Let's go with Felipe because we've got an Aussie in there. Let's have one Brazilian. Okay. Keep things uh, nice and culturally balanced. Okay, so we've got uh, Mick Fanning and Philippe Toledo in. I have to say, Mick Fanning is a popular choice. 66% of well, uh, he's players. Well, he's have, won a few bells, hasn't he? He has won a few. Okay, so into tier B. This is kind of the middle of the field. This is the biggest one. So we've got Jordy Smith, Matt Wilkinson, Glenn Hall, Italio Ferreira, Nat Young, John John Florence, Sebastian Zietz, Matt Banting. Dusty Payne, Kelly Slater, Ooh. Gabriel Medina, Kolohe Andino, Josh Kerr, Joel Parkinson, Freddie P and Owen Wright. So it would be remiss not to put Kelly in there and also Gabriel Medina, wouldn't it, really? I think so. I mean, so we've got, we've got four choices. We can pick four of these guys. Kelly hasn't done that well historically at Bells, other it's than not, that big air yeah, a couple not, of years ago. It's not a strong event for him. Uh, he's, he's, he's he has a rung a couple. He's rung a couple of bells. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for anyone else, that would be a good event. It would <laughs> for Slater. <laughs> it's only for Slater. He's, a only bit of a low point. he's only won it twice. I think Jordy's a pretty good choice. He fits really well into the right hand point breaks. I mean, my feeling is that uh, Joel Parkinson's a bit of a steal. Yeah, he's he's pretty good on the rights. I think we should have John John in there. Ah, uh, I don't John like John John at right points. You don't think? He's a tough time on the Australian leg. Joel Parkinson? Parker's a, I, is a good Parker's choice. Parker, Parker's a good choice. Parker's my choice. So we've got one one more to go. I think we have to put Gabriel Martino in there, don't we? I mean, he's, he proved himself last year to be pretty deadly in just Very about versatile. anything the ocean's going to yeah. throw at you. And then, so last but not least, we're into tier C, which is the, the bottom uh, quarter of the tour. Can we throw Mason Ho in just because we like him and we'd like to see him do well, even though we don't probably think yes. he will? <laughs> I think he's a good choice. Mason Ho, Jadson Andre, Ricardo Christie, uh, Keanu Asing, CJ Hobgood, Adam Melling, Jeremy Flores, Michelle Berez, Ace Bucken, Kai Otten, and Brett Simpson. You know what would be my ideal scenario? Really big bells, like big classic bells, and Mason Ho riding a giant like 7-2. <laughs> like he does a pipe on big days just or, or a like big... a 5-4 twin fin yeah either just way just those long current style cutbacks holding one of the rails just neon rails or something very mason yeah. well I put uh, I put Michelle Berez in at this point because he did pretty well last year and I agree with you I think he that's a good choice at, Harry he did great at Margaret's as well he's, he's a super powerful surfer isn't he so yeah. I think we should put him in there so Michelle Berez and then we've got uh, one more choice most of the Australians that are good They've grown up, you know, the, the event at Bells, the, the, the whole weekend is a, a big surf mm-hmm. event. So anyone that's come up as, as a junior in Australia has surfed Bells a bunch of times. Bells famously is always, always favours natural footers. It's a wave that's it's easier yeah. to get high scoring waves on your forehand. And, yeah. you know, one of the only surfers ever to really dominate out there on their backhand is Oki back yeah. in the 80s. And if you, uh, listeners, if you watch the documentary, or rather if you haven't watched the documentary, you should go and watch it. You it's should watch a, the documentary. Such an important part of surf culture and history um, and just such a great movie. But I think that another backhander who's done well at Bells is CJ Hobgood. And yeah, given that yeah. we've had all natural footers in there, if we're going to throw in one goofy footer, I think CJ would be a good guy to throw in. CJ? As a Florida boy, I love the CJ choice. I think he should be in there. Okay, Alrighty. let's let's put CJ in. So we've got our team He's all together. So we've got our team. So we've got Mick, Felipe, Kelly, Jordi, Joel, Gabrielle, 
Michelle and CJ. That's a so, good-looking team to me. Okay, so we need to pick our women's team. Tier A, Carissa Moore, Steph Gilmore, or Tyler Wright? Carissa's done really well historically. I just want to have all three of those and nobody else on the team. That's all yeah. I want. They're, yeah. they're, they're, the, they're the only three women surfer that I'm really interested in. In fact, I'd be quite happy if the women's tour was just those three surfers. Although having said that, and I know we mentioned this on the last show, but she's done even more since... Laura Enova has been charging some Ripping. massive waves. Yeah, I mean, that cloud break session was amazing. Oh, yeah, I'd like to have those three surfers and... Uh, okay, but you can't. Yes. So well, who are we taking? Steph Gilmore is always a favourite of mine. Like, but then Tyler Wright's the local. And I would say Carissa Moore. <laughs> Carissa Moore has historically done really well at Bells. That's true. Wait, who, who's, who's, who won uh, Snapper? Steph. Steph. I'm going to say Tyler Wright. Because I feel like she, she, Carissa Moore and Steph Gilmore have, have had their moments of glory. So let's, let's put Tyler on let's there. Let's go Tyler. All but right. I'd love to see Carissa or Stephanie do well. I mean, they're both amazing. Tyler Wright. Okay, tier B. Tatiana Weston-Webb, Lakey Peterson, Malaya Manuel, Courtney Conlog, Silvana Lima, Coco Ho, Nikki Van Dyke, Dimitri Stoyle, Sally Fitz. Well, I think that Sally Fitz will do well because she is good at safely linking turns together oh, on we, a long point I think break. I we want to chuck her in. Not, not the most exciting surfer on tour. Lakey Peterson is the opposite, a very exciting surfer to watch. Courtney um, Conalog has had quite a run lately. I think Courtney's a pretty good choice. Coco Ho just uh, finished in the finals in the uh, QS event in New Zealand. I'd still put my money on Lakey Peterson, I think. Okay. Lakey. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, suits me. Okay, and finally, tier C. Joanne DeFay, Alessa Quizon, Sage Erickson, Bianca Butendag, or Laura Enova. Yeah, Bianca Butendag or Laura Enova. I mean, they're, they're both really good surfers. I, I, I'd i like to put Laura Enova in there just because, again, I'd like to see her do yeah. well. I, she's surfing so good, and I'd like to see her contest results start she to reflect her ability. as well, which is... Uh, a good start over let's the put her in there okay listeners the gauntlet has been laid down so if you want to uh, play against us then uh, sign on to the wsl fantasy surfing league build your team and then find us the we've got a, a group called the surf simply podcast and you can play against us we've also got certainly i have a personal team in the surfer magazine fantasy surfer and i've set up a clubhouse there called surf simply podcast so you if you want to play against us on that then uh, you're very welcome to yeah well ash is doing extremely well and uh the unknown Bonerman 5000 who's out there in Webland somewhere. Bonerman's also going to be a tough one to beat. <laughs> extremely well. well yeah. Indeed it will. However, I do have a little post-heat interview from, uh, from our other champions. Ben, the Oracle Kim, has been in touch. Uh, he's actually one of our former guests. Ben Kim stayed with us last year. He says, uh, I can't remember watching a contest and monitoring my fantasy team with as much anxiety as I have with this snapper contest. My surf friends who actually care about the pro contests were even texting me about the big upsets. Definitely one of the most entertaining contests ever. I actually appreciated Gabby's controversial interview in a way because the usual surfer post-heat interviews are so mind-numbingly bland. I think that's a big part of playing fancy surf. It's certainly why I like to play it because it does add just an extra element. Yeah, a little element of fun. Yeah, a little element of fun. That's why I sometimes like to pick people that I just want to win that I don't necessarily think they'll do well. Glenn Hall. <laughs> we've also had uh, Josh Couchman in touch who is one of the uh, gentlemen that beat us in the fantasy surfer he says first of all I'd like to thank my family for helping me achieve what I have my first major <laughs> fantasy surfer <laughs> I'm really glad to have gotten my first title under my belt so early in the season but I need to keep focused if I'm to continue with this great form <laughs> 
All right, so Gabriel thank, Medina. Thank you very much, Josh, for getting in touch. And thank you, Ben. Uh, Bonerman, if you're out there. Josh, that is entirely the level of seriousness which is appropriate for playing Fantasy Surfer. Absolutely. Every episode, we do a little roundup of the forecast, which is looking quite quiet this week, actually, with the North Atlantic and the North Pacific are pretty quiet there's a there's some very little pulses coming through particularly the, the north pacific there might be a, a pulse midweek coming down in the south pacific we've got two good swells running back to back one that's active right now uh, just off south america that's sending some pulses pretty due north up through south and central america we've then got a much bigger storm system south and east of new zealand that should send some good pulses up through the pacific islands and through Central and Southern America. In the South Atlantic, there's a big storm at the end of this week that looks like it should then merge into quite a big, solid groundswell that's going to run up through South Africa uh, and then roll into the Indian Ocean, uh, which right now has got some swell. The Indian Ocean just punching through a little storm that's going to hit Indo and Southern Oz and then roll round and hopefully give us some waves for the start of the Bells contest. Um, on the contest front, as we mentioned last episode, there was a QS1000 event for the women at Pipeline, which unfortunately totally failed to deliver any any really good waves. New pipe. Uh, Kiala Kennedy. Kiala, Ke- Kiala Kennedy <laughs> took the event out and got one of the very few barrels in the event, but for the most part, it was pretty small onshore Beach Park. Yeah, Beach Park. It didn't It didn't look a whole bunch of fun, which is a shame. On the occasion that I, or, or one of very few occasions that I've surfed pipe uh, when it wasn't big at all, but Kiala Kennelly was actually out there surfing it as well. And I must say it was quite an intimidating place to surf, but she was super nice, super cool, really nice to everyone in the water, including me. I didn't know her at all. I was just like a, one of the substandard surfers out there trying to get a couple of waves to sort of tick it off the list and really just getting in people's way and yeah. Uh, yeah she was super nice had a chat to her on the beach just really really lovely woman oh very nice uh well yeah and so then points wise the bigger event was the qs 6000 at taranaki in new zealand keely andrew from australia uh, beat coco ho in the final uh we also had the australian longboard open event at kingscliff in new south wales which was won in the men's and the women's events by americans uh, so Taylor Jensen won the men's and Karina Rosunko Rosunko yeah. uh, won the women's event. Uh, we've also, over in New Zealand, had a roundup of the Ultimate Waterman event that we were talking about last episode. They didn't have the big wave event. That didn't go through, but they did have the SUP, the shortboard, the longboard event, all the rest of it. With all the events tallied up, uh, Daniel Kariopa from New Zealand beat Kai Lenny from Hawaii and Connor Baxter from Hawaii uh, to take that event out. Kai Lenny is someone whose career I'm looking forward to watching again. Mm-hmm. He seems like a really interesting guy who, uh, he's a very young guy. I don't know how old he is, but he can't be much over 20. Mm-hmm. And he's surfing some big waves and he seems to have that really kind of fun approach to everything where he doesn't take himself too seriously. And yeah, I, I've got a feeling he's just going to go a long way. He's got a good attitude and, and I'm really curious to see how, how, he, how well he does. Speaking of which, do you know if they're going to do more of these? Is this going to be an annual thing or is this an experiment? And a, and well, a I don't know. It, it's, it's, I think it's a bit of an experiment, but Red Bull are behind it uh, to a certain degree. They, they provide nice. a lot of the media coverage. So I think if, if they can get something out of it, then yeah, I can see it moving forward. The, the publicity wasn't huge. They did their best with Laird Hamilton riding his foil board and things like that but uh, they haven't they haven't pushed i had to go searching for the results as to who won it 
Mm. Um, so I think they could have done a little bit more with the social media side of things and pushed it out to you know Magic Seaweed and Surfline and things like that, which they don't seem to have done. Well, maybe they were thinking that it would be a bit of a dip of the toe in the water and uh, and they were going to just see how it goes and they didn't want to push it too hard because they weren't sure if it was going to be a bit of a flop, you know? Yeah, possibly. And maybe with the, the big wave event not running, they felt yeah. that they didn't have a... Do you know why they didn't run the big wave event? They just didn't get a big enough swell. Wasn't uh, big enough? No. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, we've obviously got Bells Beach starting on April 1st. Uh, there's also a men's QS 1500 in Argentina uh, starting on March 31st. And other than that, it's pretty quiet. Uh, there's a couple of pro juniors over the next few weeks, but... There really isn't very much on the uh, on the calendar moving forwards until the next episode. So next episode, we're going to be chatting about bells. That will have wound up. That will have wound up, yeah. Nice. Let's hope for some more drama. Uh, yeah, let's A bit see. of surfing, a bit of drama. Good balance. Yes, that would be lovely to see. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you'll join us next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was the Surf Simply podcast from the Surf Simply coaching resort in Costa Rica. For more about Surf Simply's video coaching courses for experienced surfers and technical coaching for entry-level surfers, go to surfsimply.com.